0: Christy Schiller talks about the exact moment she was attacked.
1: As I'm driving down the road and I made chit chat or something with him, um, I reached down to the radio and a song came on. It was the Dixie Dixie Chicks had just come out with their album. I know they're not very popular because they're not very patriotic, but they had just come out. They were patriotic, I guess, then at that time. So they just come out with their album, and I said, "Oh, this is that new." song and about that time i never saw it coming he hit me in the jaw and he hit me so hard that it shattered the window and um you know tempered glass i mean it's kind of difficult and then i went straight nose down into that bar ditch across on the left hand side so on the driver's side you know it just pulled it pulled me over into the ditch
0: welcome to game of crimes Welcome back, you players, you playerettes, you studs, you studettes, um, and anything in between. We we welcome everybody to Game of Crimes. I am your host with the most, Morgan Wright, and the host with the least.
2: (laughs) Steve Murphy here. Everybody calls me Murph, and it's also Stud Muffin.
0: Yeah, but you responded to the host with the least. So anyway... (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's a horrible nickname.
0: Oh, no, it's not. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, hey, by the way, too, just real quick, a lot of great comments about Chris Bayless last week, very authentic conversations. Um, Chris is just, I mean, what a stud, what an undercover legend. Um, people write, but we had some people comment, too, said, hey, look, appreciate the authenticity, but he's hilarious, man. He had great stories. Dude's yeah. funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he is. You know, and the, the cool thing about Chris is we had Jay Dobbins and Lou Velozzi on here, And those two guys, if you didn't see the pictures of them, go look at them because they're massive. I mean, they're just, they're weightlifters. Sorry, Steve.
0: Better than that, we completed the triumvirate. We got all three people that were in the infamous Jay Dobbins stripper incident when he got (laughs) smacked.
2: Yeah, but you know what? Lou and Jay, when they talk about their hero, they talk about Chris. Chris.
0: Mr. Chris. We call him Mr. Chris because I don't want to piss the dude off. But anyway, uh, no. <laughs> what, what a great episode. Hey, guys. But if you like that, head on over uh, to Spotify and the Apple. Give us five stars. The ratings really help us out. Also, head on over to our website, Game of podcast.com. You're going to want to go there because when we talk about this next episode we have coming up at the end, we've got a lot of great pictures on that one. And our book list is there. Make sure you go look at the books. Um, actually, Steve, we had Jay Dobbins put out on LinkedIn. He said, hey, I've had an uptick recently in my book sales. I don't know why. So I posted, well, dude, because you're on our podcast. Here's that's the right. link to the episode. Here's the book page.
2: That's right. So, absolutely.
0: That explains everything. Anyway, but that's why book pages work. Follow us on the social media at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But where you got to be, where you got to be is patreon.com slash Game of Crimes we have had a great time we just released another 911 what's your emergency we're going to have another great one called you just can't make this shit up we just did our <laughs> warden of the throne exclusive bonus video but we talked about chris rock and will smith and the slap heard around the world and what was going to happen and then guess what yeah. we talk about this we said what ought to happen and then will smith resigns he steals our
2: thunder he did oh, i didn't even see that
0: yeah he resigned from the academy yesterday so no need for a poll, but anyway. But if you're on Patreon, you'll know what we're talking about. But I'll tell you, we just had another good, like I said, nine one one episode. We're finishing up tomorrow. Uh, we are recording another two episodes mm-hmm. for the Real DEA Narcos on the Real DEA Narcos Cali Edition with Chris Feistel and Dave Mitchell. So we got we got some good stuff coming up. So
2: you guys are going to love. You got to get over to that one because I'm learning things that I never knew down there. These these guys, what Javier and I were doing, these guys were doing much more. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: And you go from Pablo to the Cali, go from the Medellin cartel and Pablo to the Cali cartel and those guys. Yeah, it folks, it is a wild ride. So you got to go check us out. Um, Also head on over to PayPal.com. Use our email Game of Crimes podcast at gmail.com or PayPal.me slash Game of Crimes, whatever it makes it easier for you to support the show. Now, remember, this is a show about crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing bad things to good people. We take the story seriously, but
2: we never, never take ourselves serious. Have thick skin. Don't be thin-skinned. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a joke, people, as Ricky <laughs> Gervais says. It's just a joke.
2: <laughs> well, it's, That's why, see, I had to move to Orlando. You guys think I moved to Orlando for the weather. I moved down so that Morgan didn't come and slap me.
0: That's right. And I'm going <laughs> to slap you if we don't get to this next section okay, right away, we because again. guess Sorry. what time it is, Murph? Guess what time it is? What time is it?
2: It's time for Small <laughs> Town Police, Police Blutter. Blutter.
0: Blah, yay. Hey, and this one comes from, there is a tie-in between this episode coming up and this story I'm going to tell you. Parsons, Kansas, population 9,600.
2: Sal- so- <laughs> Parsons, Kansas. Not All only right.
0: Parsons, Kansas, but Christy Schiller, who will talk about, one of the dogs she donated went to which... Which which department, Steve?
2: Parsons, Kansas.
0: You're sharp, man. No a, wonder you were on DEA. Just like okay. a butter knife. <laughs> hey, so this one, this one is one of those things. Is like you just can't make this stuff up. So uh, Wednesday evening, this actually happened December first. Parsons, Candid- Kansas police responded to a report of a domestic situation. Of course, you know that kind of happens, right? You know, you responded to him. I responded mm-hmm. to them. we get him, right? Mm-hmm. According to the media reports, police arrived and were met by a nude subject, Dustin wayne Allman. he Allman. He began cursing at officers using vulgar, racial, and sexist language before attempting to flee from the residents through the back door. I mean, this just gets better, but what's your description? Uh, he's <laughs> nude. What else do you gotta say? It's he's the only naked. dude running down the street without clothes. Naked. He's- <laughs> this this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna be shocking. Murphy became combated, headbutted one officer in the face. He kicked he uh, he kicked the arresting officers in the chest, biting one on the arm. He continued to fight while being put in a patrol car and was still combative while being escorted into the jail. He went so far as to rush. The cell door, it was closing. Now, the police chief, Robert Spinks, states, he goes, I can train officers to handle a lot of different situations they may come across, but to handle a naked combative man is something you just don't train for. I guarantee you, in the academy, they do not get naked guys to come in there and have you train on arresting them.
2: If they did, you'd probably have a lot of immediate resignations. You know, and so (laughs) rushing the cell door, those are steel bars. I wonder who won that battle.
0: Uh, well, I got it. At some point, we need to do a blood test and see if drugs were involved. But hey, uh,
2: let's, this let, next one let's award him the douchebag of the year award for that one. Uh, the douche, douche nugget month, of the anyway. year, yes, yeah, douchebag yeah. of
0: the month. <laughs> Except he, they let him go in court. Steve, lack of evidence. It just wouldn't stand up in court.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Anyway>. everyone. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> anyway, this next one comes to us from Unalaska, Alaska. I thought it, at first I thought it was Unalaska, and I had to check. No, it's Unalaska. Population hmm. four thousand two hundred and fifty-four. Salute. Salute. All right. This is a suspicious person activity call from, uh, I think it's December 7th. So it's going to be kind of cold up there. A twitchy bunkhouse resident claimed, among other things, that his housemates have been removing his fingerprints from framed photographs in order to incriminate him in nefarious crimes. Mm -hmm. An officer... Here comes the understatement of the year. An officer advised the man to better secure his personal belongings and suggested that reducing illicit drug use might also reduce his <laughs> paranoia.
2: <laughs> that was an inve- investigation that was completed very quickly. <laughs> Holy cow, what uh, idiots! Oh.
0: Hey, and Steve, this next one. Who are the nicest people on the planet, at least in North America? Who are the nice people?
2: In Canada. Everybody knows that.
0: No, nah, not true. Not true. uh uh-oh. uh-oh. p.m., suspicious people were reportedly doing something with flashlights. By the side of North 5th Street in Custer, a deputy checked and found the people were not suspicious, but merely Canadian. They were (laughs) out-of-towners who were enjoying an evening stroll.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Merely Canadian. Merely
0: Canadians. (laughs) Hey,
2: Let me tell you, we love our Canadian friends up there. You guys are fantastic, and you live in a beautiful country.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to talk to Pam, Steve, and the other Steve. So Steve 1 and Steve 2, you know, we, we've and had this problem before.
2: And we may have another Canadian police officer coming up before long.
0: Before long, right? So, thanks, hey,
2: thanks to our good friend Steve Matelsky, I got to give him a shout Steve out. Steve
0: Matelsky, man, the dude is connected, just like yep. Christie, just like what's coming up here. So, we this this one Steve is a uh, I have never in all the episodes we've done, this is the most unique story in terms of where this person started and where they ended. And, and in fact, we came across her because you have a connection to her through the Speakers Bureau.
2: Right. So we, Piper uh, and I are represented by United Talent Agency and their Speakers Bureau's Greater Talent Network. And the uh, VP we work with is uh, Dave Buchalter. So give Dave a shout out. Dave's always looking out for us and looking for good guests. And he suggested Christy because she has such a unique story. I mean, wait till you hear this lady. It's you talk about going from one end of the spectrum to the other. She's, <laughs> she did it. She's hilarious. I've, we've never met her in person. I can't wait to meet her in person because she is Texas through and through. She's got the big hair. She's got the big laugh. She's got a big heart that you're not going to believe what happened. Um, and, and, you know, you hear stories about people, who are, and I've done it myself. I said, You know, this is going on. I wish I could do something. Well, Christy saw a need for something, and she's the person that did it. She created, I mean, I don't know how much detail we're going to go into this more. You want to wait? And now, let's, let let's say show? some
0: of it for the story. Yeah. I mean, because let me just put it this way. We have somebody who worked in shock radio, Lucy Lips, the skirt with the dirt, <laughs> was a victim of crime. You're going to hear about a serious assault that was committed against her. Playboy Playmate, April 1996. Yes. posed in the Playboy. Go on. Uh, marries the guy. They do very well. They've had their ups and downs. And then, like you say, she... She, she is, a, let's just put it this way. She's a force to be reckoned with. And we just got through talking to one of her canine uh, handlers, Randy Tuman. These, these guys have nothing but love for this lady. And you're going to find out why, aren't they, Steve?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's fantastic. And I love the fact that she just didn't sit back and wait on somebody else. But she started a nonprofit, but you gotta, you gotta listen and find out who some of the people she's in contact with. It just blows my mind
0: and the only way to find out is i have to ask you steve are you ready to play the biggest baddest most dangerous game of all the original and unadulterated game of crimes
2: absolutely so everyone this is this is a special episode today get in sit down shut up and hold on come on christy tell us the story
0: All right, you players, playerettes out there, this is going to be an interesting episode for a couple of reasons. I guarantee you, you've never heard a story like this before. I guarantee you, uh, well, and we've never had somebody who has this kind of varied story before. And the other thing, too, is uh, she's a Texan. I don't believe we've had a Texan on here yet, Murph. Oh,
2: we had Javier on there.
0: Well, he doesn't count
2: because he was first. You know, <laughs> he, He's from Hebronville.
0: Hebronville. That's right. So, well, this is our first female Texan we've had on here. So we, we can create the category. So, hey, let's quit wasting time and get to this. Welcome to Game of Crimes, the fabulous, the one and only, the queen of the Internet, as you shall find out, Christy Schiller.
1: Hi, guys.
2: Hey, Christy. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I have so oh. been looking forward to this.
2: This is uh it's an honor for us to have you on here. I, I can't wait for our listeners to hear what you've been through, but what you've accomplished in your life, because you, it's like you are our backup units in law enforcement. So I'm going to leave it at that and we'll get through into this interview <laughs> and, and everybody will understand at the end. So uh, an honor to have you here with us.
0: Yeah. And we're going to talk about what, what you currently are doing now in a little bit, canines for cops. Uh, we're also going to talk about canines for kids. But as with everything, even with Star Wars and all the other stuff, there is an origin story. So you have an origin story that is quite unique because it used to be Christy Haas, which is a great name for a Texan. Yes. Haas. Haas. So you, you started getting into the Internet back before people really knew what the Internet was. And at one point, you were dubbed Queen of the Internet. Now, let's get to that point by talking about... You had you had a great time in college. So where'd you go to school at? You know, and then let's, let's talk about some of the media stuff you did coming out of school.
1: Yes, I went to University of Houston. I grew up on a um on a shipyard on the Gulf Coast town of Freeport, Texas. So like between Galveston and Corpus, right on the ocean, on the water, and on uh, the Gulf of Mexico was my front yard. And um, like I said, grew up on a shipyard and came to Houston at 18 came to University of Houston and I started I was uh, broadcasting broadcast journalism and I ended up in radio in Houston and worked for a shock radio station like a Harold Tell everybody your
0: <laughs> yeah but it's your name <laughs> tell everybody your name
1: it was it was Lucy Lips Lucy Lips, <laughs> the skirt with the dirt
0: skirt with the dirt. The skirt with the dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which if you try to do a show like that right now,
1: people, oh, you can't say I stuff know. like that. Well, it was so funny. I started in radio and I was so excited. And they said, I got there and they said, what's your name going to be? And I said, what do you mean? I mean, I didn't understand. And they said, well, you can't use your real name. And I said, oh, okay. Well, um, I'm not sure. I said, give me a couple of segments to think about it. I mean, literally, we were on air. And so somebody called in from the town where I lived and said, oh, my gosh, that sounds like Lucy Lips. And it was a nickname my brother used to call me. And so that's how <laughs> I, I just went with that.
2: It's stuck. So, that's good. Right. That's a good name.
1: So I, um, yeah. So I didn't tell my father that I got in a job because, you know, he didn't want to think about paying to send me to college so I could graduate and fix up lesbians at naked car washes. I mean, I worked in shock radio. So if you heard any kind of crazy skit, we did it in the morning. And yeah, we were kind of Howard Stern-ish. Yeah, it, was, it was crazy.
0: But, tech, but Texan style, huh? Texan
1: style. Definitely Texan style.
0: Let's talk about that for a second. So what was the craziest stunt you ever had to pull on the radio?
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know what I did? I snuck in. I was an entertainment reporter. Um, I like the rest of the country in the mid nineties was obsessed with in Nicole Smith. And do you remember she was married to the
0: very 89 old- year <laughs> old billionaire? Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: that's true love. If nothing doesn't say true love, it's exactly. true love between a, somebody who was a stripper and an 89 year old oil okay. billionaire.
1: Right. And I'm sure she polishes Walker and all that good stuff. So, um, anyway, I do was when he passed away. They had two separate funerals, so the the fancy part of his billionaire family, of course, had paid respects, and then and Nicole had a separate because they wouldn't let her come to the funeral, and I no media was allowed, and I was like, I've got to get in there, I absolutely have to get in there, I'm going crazy, so I had a little spy camera, and I went to the um, do, do you know what Buffalo Exchange is? Like a Buffalo exchanges like um I like. The kids wear it in college, and it's like you go in, you can get uh, long dresses and cut-up jeans. And, you know, I mean, just I look like I'm sure hillbilly paradise with my blacked-out tooth and my (laughs) peel-on tattoo. And I went into that funeral.
2: And you fit right in looking
1: like that? (laughs) Yes, I did. No one blinked. I walked right in with her family.
0: Speaking of infiltrating things, so uh did you get found out or did they no. not discover until later?
1: No, they never discovered. And I took footage of the <laughs> well, you probably watched it on TV, the footage I took.
0: And where where did it so where where did it end up on?
1: Uh, hard copy. Ah, wow. so you're
0: back in the days of hard copy. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's see like Steve, uh, you could have used her to help me infiltrate some of the cartels.
1: I know, absolutely. Yeah. I should have worked for the government.
2: <laughs> That's like entertainment today, right? The, yeah, uh, exactly. What's those crazy shows out there? Yeah, I yeah. can't remember.
1: Yeah, entertainment tonight. That's it. That's the kind of show I worked for. How long did that last? I think it's still going on.
0: No, I'm no kidding. I mean, you. <laughs> no, How long did
1: I, th- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, um, it's, uh, let's see, I, uh, until. Um, I'd say the late nineties.
0: And how did you get title queen of the internet? I think that was 1997. The internet was just kind of really starting to pick up and things were starting to happen. So how did you, how did you, was it a self-declared title or was it a, no, a, a no, anointed they, upon you?
1: Yes. No, it was conferred anointed upon you. me. Um, so I started in, I think about 1990 or 91 with a CompuServe account. Do you remember what CompuServe? Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And like uh, I had prodigy, you know, way back. I mean, when no one was doing this. And uh, so anyway, I I had a boyfriend at the time, and we broke up. And I went to uh, the Staples or the office supply store, and I was mad at him. So I charged a computer, a printer, and anything else I could find. I didn't know what to do with it, so it sat in the box in my in my high rise. For a couple of weeks. And somebody said, What are you going to do this? I I don't know. I'm waiting for him to call and yell at me for charging it to him. And his office paid it. I mean, they never called. So I thought, What am I doing with all this crap? So I started taking it out of the box. And next thing you know, I mean, I started spending every spare second I had trying to figure out the internet. And that was the early 90s. And then I started this website. I went from, you know, radio and Television to interviewing celebrities on the internet. And so then Forbes came calling and said, We really want you, uh, we, you know, queen of the internet. I think it was just schematics of I was probably the only person out there that didn't have on Coke bottle glasses that looked like was that was actually involved in the internet. So I just got it by process of elimination. <laughs>
0: So who are some of the famous celebs uh, you got uh, time with for your website?
1: Oh gosh. it was a hot minute ago.: um,
2: Were these movie stores and musicians?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I, you name it. I mean, there's just been so many. I'm just sitting here trying to gather myself, you know, um, Bob Dylan, Jacob Dylan, the Wallflowers, Hootie the Bowfish? Uh,
0: Wait a minute. Green Bob Day. Dylan. Mm-hmm. Let's talk cool. Bob Dylan, did he talk like this? And did he yeah, always I, talk I, like?
1: I, I he, I, I don't get Bob Dylan. I'll go ahead and say it. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the draw. I don't get that he sounds all gravelly. Like he's, you know, I don't know. Like he's stoned all the time. He just, I don't get it. I don't get the draw for him.
0: Bob's a triple multimillionaire. So somebody gets it out. There. Yeah, no, I mean, no, somebody way
1: outside of my paper. Yeah. I just, but you know, every one of his songs sound just alike, like he's gargling with sand.
0: <laughs> but but you know he's written a lot of songs that other people have recorded yes, too, so it's it's has. amazing. It's yeah. But 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 uh you but see that was something that was kind of foreign to people back then. What, blogs were like web blogs. You know they finally became blogs. But you had websites. You did this. How did what what did you do during that time? So how long did that last? Was there a natural progression for you to go to something else, or was this like when they dubbed you queen of the internet? Did you think that there was going to be this huge? You know. Pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because you were on the web first?
1: No, gosh, no. No. Put it this way. So I worked for a company, I worked for two different companies in broadcasting in Houston. And after I would get off the radio in the morning, I would go and I worked for a company called Metro Networks. So anytime you got a report from a helicopter in the hair in the air in the city, that was us. And so I went to work there and a friend of mine that Ended up being known globally, but was just my friend then was Mark Cuban. So he came to me and he says, hey, I have this idea. And, you know, there was just a little couple, secular couple of us nerds that would sit around and talk Internet stuff. And Mark would sleep on my couch and he said, hey, listen, I have this idea. And he said, I'm going to do it. And it was called um, AudioNet. And I remember going, I'm going to date myself, to the Ecker Drugs and getting the little plastic binder with the $0.97 cent that you just put over like your book report. And mm-hmm. we yeah, put mm-hmm. that over his uh, business plan. And I said, look, you need to show it to my boss, the chairman of this company, because we're syndicated in all these different markets. And I said, now, what is it your company's going to do again? And he said, you'll be able to hear the Hoosiers on the Internet. Wow. Okay. Uh, what's a Hoosier? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm all in, I'm all, I'm all behind you. I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm your team, but I just don't, what am I rooting for? What is this again? What what does a Hoosier do? And he goes, the Hoosiers basketball. I go, Oh, okay. I don't know. So. What uh, the
2: Aggies was it?
1: Yeah. No, well, I'm just not a super sports person. So I, um, so I take him to my boss And we're sitting there and I said, this is my friend, Mark, and he's got this idea. And he proceeds to tell him the story. And I said, it would be so great because you're already syndicated and you just call everybody and have it dropped in. And he looked at him and he says, I hope, what is this called? The information super freeway or whatever. He says, I hope you're not feeding her a line of crap. She's a great employee. And he said, this Internet thing is a flash in the pan and it's not going anywhere. So I wasted enough of my time.
0: Here's a quick lesson in history. Do you know who passed on buying Bell Telephone because they said it's a passing fad and it wouldn't amount to anything? Who's that? It was Western Union. Oh. <laughs> and who's out of business now? Who yeah. sends telegraphs yeah. anymore? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what are we going to do with this information superhighway, this freeway? How do you get on it? How do you get and off this of it?
1: Guy, this guy, the chairman of our company, was the ultimate. Now I think of Mark as one of the ultimate Mark, uh, entrepreneurs. But at that time, this man, I really idolized as an entrepreneurial spirit. And so when he was... I was in tears by the time he embarrassed me in front of Mark and just said, you know, you decide there's a joke and no one's going to listen to it. And it's going to be, oh, it's going to be gone in a year. So I'm hysterical. I'm so upset. We leave. And Mark says, Hey, he says, you want to get, you want to get his attention? You want to get even with him? And I was like, "Wow, well, yeah. 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 He, <laughs> says, yeah. he <laughs> said, go register his company on the internet. Hmm. Okay. So I go over to register.com and it's not registered. So I registered the company and I get a phone call a few months later demanding their domain because they were going public. And I said, oh, well, you don't really need it because it's a flash in the pan, right? (laughs) And he said, we want it back. And I said, it's for sale. It's not Mm -hmm. on sale.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I so, like that term. It's for sale but not on sale. So right. can you disclose without violating NDAs what the uh, asking price? Six what, six figures. Oh, oh my god.
2: Wow.
1: So way that back was, then, that,
0: that was huge. Huge. Huge.
2: True lady here. All right.
1: So yeah, you know, I've watched the internet kind of evolve and, and I often kick myself because Mark said after that day, come work for me. And I said, well, what'd I do? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, I only have two other employees. <laughs> and I'm so stupid. So I went and I went to my uh, a dear, dear friend of our family's. And I said, he, this, he's going to hire me and he's going to give me stock. And that sounds like super official. And he said, no in- company will ever go public associated with the internet. This is a different friend. Because he said, people just don't get it. There's nothing tangible. He said, so half of nothing is nothing. Do not take that job. And? So that's how I ended up in law enforcement. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like one of our stories.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. So to this day, uh, when's the last time you talked with Mark Cuban?
1: Oh, uh, a couple of years ago, I ran into him, and he's got a beautiful family. He and his wife, Tiffany, and live in Dallas, and they have three little girls, and he just, well— watch on TV. He's doing
0: great things. Do you ask him, Hey, say, look, thinking about that job. Yeah. I'd like to start. Can we do it retroactively? Yeah. Yeah. Some stock. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I'll tell you what he, I mean, you're right. There are these people who they got it back when nobody else got it. Um, and he turned, yeah. Listening to the Hoosiers over the internet turned into what's he worth. He's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He's on shark tank, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, he He, sold that for $9 billion. Oh, Wow, nine billion. Yeah, I was kind of hitting myself.
0: <laughs> but, and you know, it goes with the same people too who got out of Apple early. They said it's not going to go anywhere. They sold their shares. You know, and uh, Microsoft. You know, Walmart, same things.
1: Walmart. How about those people? If you'd put a thousand dollars, I think in the early seventies in Walmart, you'd be something worth like I don't know, ten billion today.
0: Yeah, I've Mm-mm. had some stock. I've watched it go. There were people when I was uh, working, uh, after I got out of law enforcement working in the private sector, there were people we called paper millionaires. They should have sold, and they took somebody's advice. No, don't sell. It's going to go higher. And what's the old saying? Pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. Slaughter. Well, a lot of people got slaughtered, and mm-hmm. uh, they their stock certificates are wallpapered now, and they're dead, so they could remind them. I used to be. One guy passed up on $6, 7000000 million when I was at Cisco.
2: Wow. Oh,
0: it's kind of, and then it came crashing down. Just great, Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, hey, let's, there's another interesting part, and we talked about this so people know we're not ambushing you, because we talked about everything uh, before we started the recording, but you have a unique part of your history. Very few people do. I know I don't. I guarantee you Steve does not. Um, You don't know. Well Steve, I know.
2: <laughs> I know where you're going.
0: And there is a guy named Hugh Hefner that used to have this little publication called Playboy. So let's let's talk for a little bit. People are wondering why are we going? This is game of crimes. Trust me, folks. This We're all links, we it's are all gonna links get there.
1: together. It <laughs> all right. links
0: together, but I'm telling you, this is one of the most fascinating and interesting paths to getting to where we are. Because I can promise you this nobody we've had on the show has ever had a stint with Playboy. So Let's talk about your stint with Playboy.
1: My stint. Okay, let's see. After Forbes um, came out, they uh, called me and said, you know, we saw you and we want you to um, come pose for us. And so I had this website and it made sense because, you know, I mean, the, they were going to link the two, you know, pages, obviously, for an, uh, you know, a certain amount of time. And the money was just way too good to pass up.
0: When was that?
1: Um, in ninety six.
0: So when what? So what what was the process of that? You know, how long did that take? When did it come out?
1: Uh, let's see. It took. I was there almost a week. I was there like five days shooting, and uh, I I had already spent some time out there uh, prior to. I mean I where there there is Playboy mansion okay and so, um, but I didn't tell anybody at the Playboy Mansion that I was posing. It's kind of separated a little bit back in that time from corporate and and so anyway, I just kind of wanted to see how far I could you know they had called and go on my own and and I didn't want anybody to think I was you know getting any special advantages because I knew anyone at the mansion or.
0: Did you sneak in with a blacked-out tooth and bratty jeans no. and a hidden oh, no, camera? No, 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 no. no.
1: no.
0: <laughs> you were able to walk right yeah, in on this one, I right? I able to walk
1: right in. Yeah, nobody, nobody. Uh, my teeth were okay.
0: So, what did you think? <laughs> what kind of what kind of internal deliberations did you have with yourself before you did this? And did you talk to anybody about it?
1: Well, I mean, I was a little bit familiar with Playboy since I already I you know, been spending some time out there. Uh, I had friends that had done it and uh, I was good friends with Hefner's next door neighbor. So that's how I kind of ended up at the mansion would go to visit. And then everybody would walk over and literally their houses were walking distance. And so I, that's, you know, so I kind of had the lay of the land. It, it, I was pretty, um, When I got out there, I was pretty scared to death, no doubt about it, even though I kind of had some insight. Uh, Arnie Freytag was the photographer and he was absolutely amazing. And you think of how it's going to be, like I had this image of how I thought it was going to be, and then you get there and it is, well, first of all, you're in hair and makeup for hours. So you get a little bit relaxed doing that, familiar with everybody. There's probably... 25 to 30 people on the set and you know somebody is you know behind each light or um uh, you know a light bar or a scaffolding or something like that or somebody's holding a sheet or it is the most professional well-oiled machine and you don't even it's just so professional and that and they ask you do you want everybody to get everything set up and then they can step out? You know, everybody but the photographer or who, who do you want to be in here? And look, by the time you you have all these notions in your head and then by the time you set a couple of hours with these people and then you're on day two, you're like, shit, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they wear you down. Your, invite your friends. You know what? Invite oh, you know your family. Well,
2: well not right, to I, mention how many millions of people are going to see the magazine when exactly, it comes out. Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh cool. yeah.
0: well. But the other thing too, most of these folks, they've been doing it for so long. To them, it's not like it's a interesting interest thing for like, Hey, I look at me. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking through a, a hole in a fence and I can see the neighbors sunbathing naked or anything. I mean, these folks have been doing this to them. It, it was professional. I mean, I think that's what distinguished playboy from hustler and some of the other ones is the professionalism, you know, of what they did. Not that I ever read a playboy in my day.
2: <clears throat>
1: don't lie. you
0: don't read, you get playboy. Well, you, you don't didn't read look at playgirl. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, and, and Steve, you <laughs> definitely were not in playgirl either. Um, so back, back to our regular scheduled podcast with Christy here. <laughs> I know, yes, I do. <laughs> um, so, but, so when did, when did your, when did your issue come out? What month were you in year?
1: Um, I was April uh, 96.
0: And did All your right. parents, friends know about it before it came out?
1: Uh, n- no. So, no. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that. <laughs> no. So um, I had to hold my mother first. And then uh, I remember we got my dad to the city, to Houston, and he came to see me and I messed up, look like I was about to throw up that, you know, I, I just said, I have to talk to you. And he's looking at me like, you know, what, what in the hell could be going on that? I mean, he was very confused and, um, he's like, are you sick? And I said, well, I may gonna be, I said, but no, I mean, no, I'm fine. I'm Okay. And so, anyway, I ended up telling him, and he was like, okay, that's it? And I was like, yeah. I mean, but when you, you know, when you grew up in a small town, you think that everybody, and a lot of times they do know your business, but it's different than if you grew up in New York City or, you know, L.A. Or, you know, I mean, a small town, you know, you could know potentially a lot more people in a small town than you would a large town.
0: I guarantee you that's the case. I grew up in a small town. It was, the town was so small, I tried to buy beer one time when I was a senior in high school, and I wouldn't turn 18 until I was a freshman in college, but I thought, hey, I'll try it. The Lions Club calendar had everybody's birthday on there. The guy looked at it and said, yeah, hey, come back in eight months, you know, buddy. <laughs> Everybody, cupcake. Yeah, yeah <laughs> cupcake. Come back later. That was my great experience trying to buy beer as a Ute in the great town of Chapman, Kansas, but, uh, yeah, small town, everybody does. They, they know your business sometimes even before you do, right. You learn oh, yeah. a lot of stuff, but oh, yeah. so it came out, no big deal. Um, wh- what happened after that? Did it, did things change for you? Did you get additional offers? Anything come in because of the post?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had some different TV opportunities and things like that. Went to, um, out to LA to test for some different talk shows and you know, all kinds of fun stuff. I think people were still trying to kind of figure out the 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 vibe of the internet. you know, the like what are we gonna do with this? How do you monetize it? How do you uh, how do you take it to the next level? And then um, lo and behold, I guess it was uh, ninety nine of June. I was having dinner with my family, and I was in my hometown. And I'd come down and had dinner with them and was leaving the restaurant. And a man approached me in the parking lot, not far from the front door. And I was sitting inside my car and I was listening to voicemails. And I was the very first um parking spot right by the front door, right next to the handicap. And anyway, he came out and I didn't see him at first. And he tapped to my window and he called me by name. And Which kind of took me back a little bit, but when you live in a town that everybody knows everybody, even though I hadn't lived there in 20 years, well, no, I hadn't lived there in 10 years at that time. I hadn't lived there in 10 years. I still felt like it was home. I mean, does that make sense?
0: Yep. Yeah. And what
1: town is this? Uh, That was in Freeport, Lake Jackson, Angleton, Angleton, Freeport, Lake Jackson. Port is what they call the area, uh, Basaria County. And so anyway, I uh, visited, with, I rolled down the window partway to see what he wanted. And anyway, he asked me how my family was and said that he had seen me um, having dinner with my mother. And it just, it his face just wasn't registering. Like, I just didn't think I knew him and, um, but was too embarrassed to ask, where do I know you from? Because I didn't want somebody to think that I was, um, you know, a snob or whatever. And so anyway, uh, I, uh, he walks away. I finished listening to my messages. He comes back. And so then as I'm sitting in the car, he comes back again. And, you know, in kind of, um, and I was telling, uh, I was telling Steve yesterday that the the book that I have, the the gift of fear I had just Gavin read that. DeBecker. Gavin De Becker Gavin de Becker oh my God it it's a game changer
0: it I, and I will tell you I don't want to interrupt you but I will tell you that I have recommended that book to so many people including women the there is a reason they call it the gift of fear and, and he's done some uh, amazing stuff the Secret Service uses his mosaic profile for yes. a lot of their stuff so it, very interesting.
1: Yes. And so I, I had read that book and um, I had just got through rereading it. I don't know. Oprah had, you know, anointed it or something. And so I had reread certain sections and I have carried a pistol for a very, very long time. And, um, you know, I've been driving since, I don't know, since uh, back in the said uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, forever. <laughs> And so I always had a pistol um, in a harness underneath my seat. Well, this man asked me to um, give him a ride and said that his friends were inside and that he had lost, um, you know, he couldn't find them and that they were going to drop him off at his vehicle. And would I be so kind as to do that in so many words? And, you know, I thought about it for a second. I thought, this is not a good idea. And, but he, he, he wasn't that big and he was kind of nerdy. And I thought, you know, I could take him. Like, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: If,
1: but I thought, you know, he's not going to mess with me. I mean, this guy's like a, just a, a complete nerd. I mean, he just needs a ride. He's hey, Christy,
0: of, and real quick, give us a, give us kind of a physical description of the guy, uh, in terms of like, you know, how tall was he? How much did he weigh?
1: A 5'8", 170-ish, um, th- thick coke bottle glasses.
0: Not a really big guy, according no, to Texas standards.
1: No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I could take him. I'm like, you know, but he needed to go like two miles away. Or so he said. So um, two weeks prior to me coming down there, I did not know this, there was a young lady and she was going down this same road and she'd gone across a railroad uh, crossing and there was this trestle underneath and I guess maybe she'd blown a tire or uh, done something that, you know, her, her car was inoperable. So it's like four in the afternoon and she's pulled over on the side of the road and I guess she's called somebody and they, uh, there's a park and ride at the end of this road. Uh, if y'all know what park and rides are, you know, you park there and go into the city and you, uh, uh ride share and there's big ranches all around, uh, where this park and ride is. So she had pulled over, this gentleman pulls, or this attacker pulls up behind her and says, you know, do you need help? What's going on? And she says, no, I've called somebody. It's okay. They won't be here. It's broad daylight. And she's like, they won't be here for like, you know, and an a little bit, but it's okay. I'm fine. He says, do you want to show me what you think you ran over or whatever you did? So they go to the inside by the ditch and she's going to show him and he hits her in the head with a tar tool, drags her underneath that trestle and I guess leaves her for dead. So she was still in a coma by the time I was attacked. So there was no there was no uh, alert what they were looking for does that make sense well,
0: it, yeah and let's let's not gloss over it because we want to talk about your attack but had you heard of but before that night had you heard of that attack or did oh, you just no. learn about her attack after
1: yeah after yeah no i didn't i didn't know about it
0: so to the level you're comfortable just tell us about how this unfolded so you know cuz obviously it's like you're thinking he only wants to go a couple miles that's a little strange well
1: yeah and i had to drive past where he needed to go to get home I mean, or to get where I was going. Um, so, and I knew that he knew that, you know, and so am I going to be a bitch and say, no, I'm not going to give you a ride because I'm driving right, you know, I don't know. And so I, yeah, you look back on it, hindsight, 2020, all the things, you know, you wish you could have done. So let I, me
0: ask you a quick question about that. At, were you feeling guilty at that point because of like some of your fame you had that, Hey, I, like you said, you didn't I've run into people, and I know Steve, you have too. You're going. You hope they give you enough clues so you can remember where did I meet yeah, you at, or what's yeah, your name?
1: That's exactly right. What you're exactly right, right there. And so when they bring up seeing you on TV or seeing you somewhere, or they're talking to you in call it fanboy voice, you know, it's that was my biggest fear that somebody's going to turn around and say, uh, you know, how arrogant and self absorbed is she? She wouldn't even help anybody where she grew up you know, and psychologically speaking, I guess it's, you know, most accidents and things happen within five miles from the home because we kind of, um, you know, treat that as a safe zone or, you know, whatever. So you, you race, you speed, you maybe run a, not, you know, stop at a stop sign or pick up strangers, (laughs) you know, whatever your, whatever your shortcoming is. So I picked him up and, um, he got the car and, I remember we went over the same tr- railroad crossing going down this um county road and it did flash in my mind for a second like I'm kind of unless you're from here you're not really going to know this road and it I thought this is kind of one of my more chicken fried ideas that I've done but you know oh well I'm just going to let him off and I won't ever do this again and as it was um I guess what we call them in Texas bar ditches rolled real, real deep deep
0: yep. d- ditches. For, for the for the water and stuff when the rain comes in yes. it can carry yes. it off, yep
1: so bar ditches on both sides, ranches, you know, as far as far as the eye can see, and then um what they do on these uh bar ditches is you know, they put the um the, it's um it's like a cement uh pipe. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Like they lay it, that you drive over that, that way it won't wash out. Uh, what do you call that? The, the, well,
2: it's just, yes, just, it's a drainage pipe.
1: Dra- drainage pipe, but yeah, it's big and concrete and you know, they embed and it. And that's in where those... they
2: have the
0: roads that come across that lead to the property and stuff. So that yes. you drive over, it's like a mini bridge. You drive yes. over that to get to your property. Well,
1: so, um, as I'm driving down the road and I made chit chat or something with him, um, I reached down to the radio and a song came on. It was the Dixie Dixie Chicks had just come out with their album. I know they're not very popular because they're not very patriotic, but they had just come out. They were patriotic, I guess, then at that time. So they had just come out with their album. And I said, oh, this is that new song. And about that time, I never saw it coming. He hit me in the jaw and he hit me so hard that it shattered the window. And, um, you know, tempered glass, I mean, it's kind of difficult. And then I went straight nose down into that bar ditch across on the left-hand side. So on the driver's side, you know, it just pulled it, pulled me over into the ditch. So I I was just, I mean, my bell was, my bell was rung. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't what the hell was going on. And anyway, but at that point, the fight was on. And so I reached underneath the seat immediately to grab the pistol and it was empty. And I realized I'd had my car detailed the afternoon before and I'd taken it out and just never had put all this stuff back. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I, I'm, I didn't because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was me versus him. And yes, he ended up in prison, but he's still alive. And could I have done it? Absolutely. But I just, I've taken a lot of training since then. And a lot of things make sense that, I mean, I had no, I mean, I carried, but I had no tactical training. I had no law enforcement training compared to everything I have now. And I just, I'm just, that book is what saved me. Gavin DeBecker's book the gift of fear, because now all of a sudden you realize, what do I have within arm's reach that's going to help me? I can scream. No one's going to hear me. I mean, the next closest house is probably a couple of hundred acres away. Um, you know, just, I'm, I'm, he knew the setup. He knew where he wanted to take me. So we ended up, um, I ended up fighting and uh, I had, we uh, cracked out the windshield, the moonroof, it was, it was completely on. And I felt what I felt like warm and bloody coming down my face. And I thought, is he stabbing me? Because a lot of times, you know, they talk about when you get bit by a shark or something, you don't know it till like you get out of the water because your adrenaline's going. Well, needless to say, my adrenaline was going. So I thought, is, does he have something? And I just can't see it. Where is all the blood coming from? Well, what had happened is, of course, your face is the most you know, vascular and vein and thin. And so the shards of the glass that was coming off, you know, where we were fighting was cutting my face. So that's what was causing all the blood. So I realized I was kind of losing the fight. And I thought to myself, what can I do? And I offered him my watch. He didn't want a Rolex. I thought, okay, so true what they say. It's about power. It's not about money. It's not about anything else. And so I said, and but this point, I know he has touched everywhere in that car because it looks like Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson has gone 20 rounds in that car. And I thought the longer I went that I didn't see a weapon that I may be okay, I mean, in that aspect, that he may not have a gun, because I didn't see one. So um, I didn't want to tell him that I reached for mine, and that my intent was to use it, and it wasn't there, because um, at this point, I figured I probably needed to play the victim a little bit longer, and I told him, I said, (laughs) I don't know, I thought about the little kid from Jerry Maguire, remember, the human head weighs eight pounds? I looked at this guy and I said, I said, look, here's the deal. I needed to get air. I just needed to stop because I was, I was losing in the in the aerobic department <laughs> in the air. I just didn't have enough air to keep going. And I said, Look, you're gonna have to kill me. I said, So how are you gonna do it? And he said, What? And I said, y- y- I talk. I talk for a living. I talk a lot. I know everybody. I said, so you look and I and he was trying to to kill me with a scarf that I had you know like he made it into a thing and was so I ripped it off and I started wiping the dash as if you know the other 400 print prints in the car is okay and I said look we have to wipe this off I said better yet we need to get out of the car because I said there is 67 gallons of blood in the human body. There could be two. I have no idea. Um, But the more data that I gave him, you could see that his head was hurting. Like, this is not the script. Shut up. And he starts saying, shut up. And I said, yeah, so there's 67 gallons of blood. So you're, once if you, you know, once I start bleeding everywhere, which I am at this point and you touch something, they're going to be able to trace you like in minutes. So we have to get out of the car for you to kill me because if not, there's going to be blood everywhere and there's DNA everywhere. And I knew if I could get out that that would be the only way I would have a chance. And so we're on an incline in this ditch. Cause I've gone down, you know, nose first and I'm in a huge SUV, uh, Lexus, uh, Lexus, uh, you know, the, what are we talking about? Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser.
0: Yeah, like the GX, yeah, the four hundred or something, yeah, or four, yeah, yeah, the yeah or something the, like that. Yeah.
1: And so, um, you know, so we're fighting inside that. So the minute I stop and I'm as I'm talking to him, I'm reaching up for the handle, and I'm just gonna flip it open and kind of, you know, uh, Wonder Woman style. I'm in my mind. I'm gonna flip out, just like you know. And just
0: and do a shoulder roll and come up in a you know attack stance, yeah.
1: Somewhere across between the lady from the Terminator and Mary Lou Retton. Well, anyway, I fell (laughs) and I broke my arm. Oh, I was such a dork. Um, Anyway, I fractured it, and but I didn't care. I took off running, and I just knew now I was away from it. Well, one thing I didn't know is on this little windy country road that we were on, this cut through road. Um, I realized after he got me on there that, in other words, nobody comes through this road. And again, unless you know it's there, but there's a curfew in my county where I grew up. And it's, I don't know, like uh, the weekends, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know, like 11 o'clock or something. So, uh, anyway, a woman had followed, not followed us, but a woman had come up right before I hit the ditch. And I never saw her behind us. So she calls the sheriff's department and says, I'm driving home. Now, she doesn't know if it's one people or five people or a man or a woman or whatever. So she just assumes it's a man. And she says, I'm behind this man on county road so-and-so. And and uh, I think he's drunk because he just was driving along fine. And he just went off in the ditch. And, you know, she said, maybe he had a heart attack, maybe, you know, dodging a Big or something, but she says y'all need to come check it out. So there's a young deputy that has just graduated out of FTO, and he is gets to take the car home. He's so excited, and he says, "I'm getting off. I have to go by that way. I'll, you know, check. I'll go down that road and check and make sure everything's okay." Well, as I'm running down this road, I mean, here I am. This girl with long blonde hair and no clothes on and high heels and I'm covered in blood and I'm running down the center of the highway and here comes a car and I'm thinking okay it seems like it's going fast it must and it has it it has high beams but it's got no red and blue lights it's got no siren so I mean it's 10 30 11 o'clock at night so I'm thinking it's a second person coming to kill me. I mean, you know, maybe that's going to be the guy that's going to come pick him up or I don't know. I mean, I just see this car. I don't know it's somebody coming to save me. Well, this, the kid, as he sees me running, I'm sure he is completely, you know, blown away. Like, what the hell? Well, he swears to keep from hitting me. I, you know, jump off and roll to keep from being hit. He goes airborne. He hits that pipe uh, the, the back the to co- the, the,
0: the drain. drain to pipe. The drain,
1: yes, thank you. He catches the front of the cop car, and it flips. He's going, they figured about 85, uh, end over end, wow. seven times. Oh. Well, I keep hearing this crash boom, crash boom, and I'm like, okay you know what? I I still don't know it's a cop, but I know it's a wreck, but I'm only going to go that direction if, you know, I'm only going to look that direction if I'm going that way and I'm not because the bad guy is that way. So I still keep running. And there is a little girl that is 16 and she is like in her dad's, you know, Delta 88, some big huge land yacht. And she pulls up and again, I'm covered in blood and I'm trying to tell her that there's bad people out here, and so she takes out her dad. She opens the trunk, and her dad has fishing waiters, like those the, the kind that come to the chest with the overalls. And so she puts those on me, and she has some of those orange, uh, a box of those rags that they use mechanics use. Yeah, the red rags. Red for, rags. Yeah. And so she's got those and starts like you know trying to patch me up. Well, now here come the troopers, here come, you know, sheriff's deputies and jaws of life. They got to cut that other guy out. I still don't know that it's a cop. And the guy walked away from the scene. The bad guy. The bad guy walked away. So I asked them, as they're loading me, well, first of all, I don't want to get out of the car. Now shock's starting to set in. And so the troopers are on the side of the car that I'm inside of. and. They're like, man, you're going into shock. You've got to come out. I said, no, no, dude, I want to see the bad guy. Man, we haven't found him yet. <laughs> and there's cobs everywhere. And so I hear, I finally come out and they're putting me in the ambulance and I hear them talk about air support. They're going to bring in a um, helicopter, you know, to look for this guy on foot because there's land, ranch land everywhere. And um, I said, are y'all going to bring those dogs, those, those fancy canine dogs? And they said, well, we don't have those. We're, we've already put a call into the prison. They're going to bring theirs. I'm like, okay. Well, I grew up down there. I mean, I know what the prison, you know, bloodhounds. I mean, I get it, but you got to wake up a trustee. You, you know, even if they're ready to launch, there's still an hour before they get there. And it always kind of bugged me. Like, you know, How is one of the largest counties in Texas? Did it not have that? And, you know, we ended up going through a trial. Uh, They did not catch him that night. They caught him. He did it to uh, a couple other girls. And he got caught seven months later. There was a trial. He got sentenced to prison, Um, you know, through the whole thing. And it always bothered me. It always bothered me that they had to wait to get the dogs because they didn't find him that night. They lost the scent. So he had to do it to however many other people, you know, just because they didn't have access to dogs. And again, I didn't look into it that much, but you know, again, it bothered me. I thought about it. So now flash forward, uh 2009, I'm married and uh you know, it's 10 years later, and I all I want to do is think about it. I have got a little girl and three years old and I kept telling my husband how important it is that we teach her to pay it forward. It's Christmas time. Um, you know, I don't want it to be just about toys or us. And as I'm watching, I'm saying this, I turn up and I watch the news and I see an officer and he's on the news and he looks upset and he's been crying. And he said, you know, he saved my life doing what he was trained to do. And I see a picture of this gorgeous dog. And I'm like, what in the world happened? And he had, they had uh, this whole sting operation and there was some um, guys that were breaking into houses that were like on a golf course, stealing Christmas presents when people would go to parties. And so they had the whole place surrounded and, you know, 50 cops out there and they sent the dog into the woods and the guys killed it. So I said, I told my husband, I said, I want to give that man a dog. And he said, do you know him? I said, no, I didn't know really anything about law enforcement. I, I mean, I knew we had sheriffs and PD, but I didn't know Houston alone. There's something like 24 different uh, entities, different agencies. And Yeah, and I I just was, I was blown away that if anything anybody needed wasn't in their budget.
0: And Christy, before we, before we dive into that a little bit, let's tie off on the story because a couple couple questions I want to ask you about the attack. Uh, After this guy was uh, captured, did you come to realize, had you met this guy? Had you known Mm -hmm. this guy before at all? Mm -mm. Okay. So he must've found out about you somehow. I mean, because no, I, oh,
1: I say, did I know him? He actually did go to school with me briefly, but I didn't know him in school. I,
0: I tell you what, if as a father of a daughter, um, don't worry about you not having a loaded gun. I mean, I would have took care of business had I found him that night. But that being said, as a true redneck, um, what, what did this guy end up getting, uh, in terms of a prison sentence? Hopefully it was life or something close to life.
1: And no, he didn't. He um he ended up. Uh, he went to Kansas and he got in trouble there. And I want to say served some brief time there, and then he came back. And when he had left that night, um, in out of Texas, he stole his employer's credit card, and then I guess made it as far as Kansas before they cut it off. And then, um, so he got you know in trouble for whatever, the stolen, unauthorized use of a credit card or whatever. But nobody had linked him yet to the attacks. So um, a specialist came down and met with me, an art, art artist rendition, a person that does the. And so I kind of, you know, told her what they, you know, what I thought he looked like. and and But I knew that, you know, we went quite a few rounds. I knew that he was really scratched up. I knew that he was you know, had bite marks, things like that. So they put that out in the news saying, you know, if you see this guy and he looks like this, call somebody. So I guess he knew he needed to stay out of the the line of fire. So he came back six months later and he um, went back to the same restaurant And the little girl that was the restaurant manager was in law school. She was a young mother of two. And he um, kidnapped her and basically did the same thing to her. But he tortured her for like seven hours. And when they were leaving the restaurant and she was giving him a ride after they closed, he asked her the same thing for a ride. Said he couldn't find his friends. And so she gave him a ride. Remember, I back. I told you earlier there was a curfew. Well, they got pulled over because they were driving, you know, past the curfew. So the two officers pulled them over and ran their license, just you know, to see if there was anything outstanding. So they asked if they've been drinking. You no, know, she said that she ran this restaurant and she was in law school and that she was just giving him a ride home. And then she was on the way, you know, home, and they were satisfied with that and gave her you know, after they ran the credit, I mean, credit card, after they ran the driver's licenses, they gave them back. Well, she apparently, from what I was told in the trial, kept telling him that, you know, I, um, please just let me go because just don't kill me because I have two small children. And so he did, he let her go and she drove straight to the sheriff's department and said a few hours ago, you pulled us over. You have, you ran his driver's license. And immediately that's when they started putting it all together. And so there, initially there was a trial and we did it uh, in order. So I had to testify in another victim's trial. And then after, at that trial, he ended up pleading guilty to everything else.
2: Yeah. What was his sentence?
1: Um, he, he was facing five counts of 99 to life. And he went in in 99. He has been released, been put back in numerous times for the same thing.
0: How the hell does this guy make it out of
1: prison? Right. And he uh, just got out again recently.
2: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, the night of your attack, what about the police officer that was in the cruiser that crashed? He
1: was fine. He was fine.
0: That's wow. lucky too, man. I know. Thank God he had he had to have his seatbelt on. And the other yes. thing, too, you know what? What saves a lot of officers and wrecks, and people don't realize it serves another purpose, you wear those Kevlar vests. Mm-hmm. Those Kevlar vests take the impact of the steering wheel, which is one of the bigger things that right. cause injury. And I'll tell you what, real quick aside, speaking of, of somebody uh, having a wreck, do you guys remember seeing the video of that Florida trooper? Uh, she was on their motor carrier trooper. The, the a person had run a roadblock and was heading towards where they were doing the, the 10K run, all of these people. And she takes this guy. He's going the wrong way, and she takes him head on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yes, that... yes,
1: yes,
2: During the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just the last. And, that was just last week. And you'd want to, number one, as, as heroic as it gets, and number two, you just see the violence of an impact like that you know when you hit head on and thank god those airbags i mean it was just amazing to watch the airbags deploy um she was okay she had her seatbelt on but thank god to your point she was driving a huge suv that's what saved her that thing took a lot of the impact but the post impact pictures and that's why i'm thinking you know his impact but even your wreck here last thing i want to get into the 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 parts that are going to be uh, more uplifting but wh- He hit, he hit you with his fist on the side of your face. That's what, that's when you said you,
1: I think, I think it was a fist or he could have had like brass knuckles or something like that. But, um,
0: I mean to make your head hit the window and break it out. I mean, that's a lot
1: of force. It fractured my jaw.
2: That's a powerful hit. And just, just to finish up on that trooper, that was trooper Tony Shuck who selflessly put her fa- herself and her safety in front of that yeah. car. I, Let something. I that. had a
1: canine officer that did that. There was um, in a town, Brenham, Texas. His name is Seth. And there was a lady and she was heading straight towards the town square. And somebody called in and said, there's a drunk woman and she's, you know, playing bumper cars or whatever. And, and he sees the vehicle as he comes around and she had had a stroke. And her foot had gotten jammed on the gas, and she was heading straight towards a crowd of people, and he got in front of her and took the hit.
2: Uh, just, that's, 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 what, yeah. that's what law enforcement is. They selflessly put themselves in the way of danger to protect the innocents. That's why we call them law enforcement professionals, and that's why we have Game of Crimes.
0: And let me tell you, these are the folks that do it for the money they get. That they are putting their lives on the line for people they have never met most right. of the time. Mm-hmm. People you've never met. Let's tie off by saying this: How long did it take you to recover physically, not emotionally, because that takes a long time? How long did it take you to recover physically?
1: Uh, you know, a couple of months. I mean, you know, I look—I considered myself very, and I think I had some—what uh, do they call it—survivor's guilt because um, I looked at like the other girls that if it could happen to anyone. I always say and people no some people don't know how to take it when I say this. I'm glad it happened to me because I'm a little mentally more um I don't know. I just you know, I just consider it wrong place, wrong time. It is what it is, it's not gonna define me and
0: but you well, have such a strong personality. I was going to say yeah. it real quick, Steve, I'm sorry, that I go back to that book, The Gift of Fear. I've read it several times. And it, your story mirrors almost the one that he talks about where the lady was carrying groceries and the guy offered to carry groceries yes. and her instinct said, no, don't do it. He says, oh, it'll be OK. I'm a nice guy. I'll just carry it up to your door. Right.
1: right. That's the same. Yeah. I thought about that one, too.
0: Yeah. Oliver instincts said, no, don't do this. And then when he gets inside the door, what does he do? He attacks her That's, and he rapes her. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I was just going to say, Christy, you don't come across as, a, as a, uh, somebody that's just going to lay down and take it. You, you come across as a very tough young lady here. Um, and, you know, we've known y'all, well, uh, what, an hour now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you're biased already. Well, we've been going back and forth we've for a few a little-
0: months. I mean, trying to get this episode set up. Yeah, we've done research.
1: I want to know about that Playboy research. <laughs>
0: I didn't do that research. I'm sorry. Uh, the wife would kill me if I w- try imagining this, honey, it's research. Oh, sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I am not, I am not attempting to explain that one. However, I will tell you when I, and people thought I was crazy when I used to teach computer crime investigation, I'd spent a year teaching the FBI when they were getting their, what's called their cart team going, their computer analysis response team. I said, if you want to see where the latest technologies are going on the internet, You got to go see what the people in porn are doing because they were the ones that started taking credit cards, starting having full motion videos on there, all all of these different things that the web could do. They were creative because they were looking to get money out of you. And they thought, hey, you're just trying to, I said, trust me, just trust me, the technologies they're doing now. I can't get away with that now because I don't do any of those things. So it's like no research along those lines. But that being said, and myself having dug myself into an appropriately deep hole, let me extricate myself back out.
2: (laughs) Well, we're just going to see how far down you'd go. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, dude, I'm, I'm halfway to I'm halfway to Australia. I was going to say China, but I don't like China anymore. So I'm halfway to Australia, mate. There you go. There so you uh, go. Let, let us dig our way back out of that, because you had some formative things. Um, th- this attack, obviously, the lack of dogs. Um, you saw this story on TV about the officer. And let me tell you, having worked with canine officers, and, and you've done it for a long time too now, Christy, and I know, Steve, you have too, they're a member of the family. They live with the officers. They eat with the officers. They go everywhere the officer goes it is heartbreaking when you see them like when dogs have cancer and they have to be brought in to be put down and stuff like that it is it it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. um and and you see it but but this all led you to um you've had a lot of stuff like your husband was in oil you guys have you know you've you've done all of these big things you've lived the high life you've had fancy things but i think uh if i could put words in your mouth for a second all of those things kind of are not in the same league as you getting on this mission to say, I'm going to do something about this. Absolutely. Police officers have to have dogs.
1: Absolutely. Um, it, it, I can't imagine my life now without it in it. I mean, you know, without cops everywhere. And, and, um, it's just, I, I just can't imagine this is my life. If you'd have asked me 20 years ago, when I lived in new Orleans, if, you know, I could tell you what bar who was going to have the longest pour or who would let you dance on that who would let you dance on the tabletop after if your favorite song came on if you just said i had been working with cops every day i would have said from jail <laughs> I don't know
2: well and, and have you found out that we're not the jackasses that everybody seems to think the police officers are
1: No i haven't found that out yet <laughs> 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 shit
2: <laughs> Well, you know, and, and just before we go any further, I just, you know, you sent us your bio, and thank you very much for sending that. And, and you're talking about paying it forward to your husband at Christmas time. Now, that was, where did you come up with that instilled in you at a younger age? I yes. mean, where did you come up with paying it forward?
1: So my, my family was always extremely philanthropic, and um, just, we were always just very charitable. I started my first charity when I was still in high school and my father was just he was really known where we lived for being very uh charitable. And so, you know, if you have you do. And I love when, that. when I realized that due to budget cuts, that people that are paid to protect me, you know, maybe can't do their job well because they don't have all the tools they need, that got my attention.
2: And it, and it wasn't only being philanthropic with Cash or donations, it was also with your time.
1: Oh, it's your time, absolutely. I think your time is the most important thing people can give you.
0: Well, except with you, it's more than your time, lady. You are more connected than a box of Legos. <laughs> I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, you have got, but
1: have you ever stepped on a Lego at 3 a.m.? Yes, oh, yeah. I have. <laughs>
0: We've got kids. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure that's what it feels like being married to me at times. <laughs> when I walk in and go, "Hey, I had an idea." just like, shut up. Well, by the
0: way, that's the uh the most <laughs> the most dangerous man in the army is a second lieutenant with a map and compass. The the second most dangerous man in the army is a first lieutenant who says, "Captain, I have an idea." But uh military joke. <laughs> but uh no, but, you, you, but your connections. I mean, this is the other thing. You've you've a lot of these connections from the Mark Cubans of the world, from the governors, from the other folks like that. All of these things led up to this. I mean, I think this is one of those things is that if there was somebody who was destined to put something like this together, it had to be you because you had, you had all of the things you, you built over time, your connections, your time. So let's talk about that. Um, Mm -hmm. What was the process like of starting? How did you come up with the name and how did you, how did you start this whole thing? I mean, at some point it's like, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill, but you just got to start doing it. How'd you get started?
1: Right. So I, um, I started, you know, basically looking, I was watching the news that night and I'm in tears. This man's in tears. And I tell my husband, I said, look, I want to give him a dog or the department or however that works. And I said, so um, let me find out, you know, where this guy works. So I called the County judge. I called the secretary of state. Cause if you call five people at once in my mind, shit gets done a lot faster than if you just call one and they say, hold on, let me call a guy. So I call the governor, the secretary of state, the county judge, the, all the, the former county judge, a federal judge. And I'm retelling the story. So I don't really know the whole story. Cause I kind of came in late to it on the news, but I'm crying and I'm like, and then his dog died. And he, he looks like he's my age. And so he's probably going to have to go home and tell his little children, that you know, Fido's not coming home anymore. And in my mind, as I just kept retelling it to everyone on the phone on Christmas Eve, because no one else has anything to do on Christmas Eve, except take my phone call, right? <laughs> and so I remember the Secretary of State saying, Your dog died? I said, No, pay attention. I said the dog I saw in the news, I said, so I think they're like a thousand dollars. I don't know where I got that number. I said, but I'd like to buy um, them a new dog. So then I called the county judge and I said, I'd like to buy this department a dog. And he said, do you know which one it is? And I said, he had on a dark uh, Navy uniform and I think it was like a silver star. No, no, no. It was a bronze. No, it was gold maybe. Yeah, it was black. It was a black uniform and it was gold. And he's like, really? (laughs) Yeah, okay, well... I don't know how many dogs die. Like, you know, it was like a lead story. Like whose dog died? It's cops or sheriff. Well, it was constable. And where I grew up, constables, you know, delivered rent evictions and divorce papers and things like that. Um, In Houston, it's huge. I mean, like one of our constable units is like a thousand officers. So anyway, this was a constable and um, you know, he lost his dog. So um, Governor Perry told me, he says, look, he said, that department that lost the dog, he said, they have a lot of money. It's kind of an affluent area. He said, so they don't need the money. What? What do you mean they don't need the money? And he goes, well, they just, they don't need the money. And I said, Warren freaking Buffett needs money. I've never heard of anybody say, especially that runs a government entity, that nope, we have all of the money we need. We don't want any more. No, you never say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so he, so Rick said, okay, well, just send a check to my office, and I'll we'll make find somebody good to get it. I said, mm, no, I don't want to do that either. I said, I don't know what I want to do, but I'm 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 going to figure it out sometime today, so that the uh, county judge calls back and he says, look, it could you can't decide if you write a check to that department, unless they have a fund set up for a canine, you can't, it goes into a general fund, you can't decide where that money is going to go. Okay. Well, they need to set up a canine fund then. And he said, well, that takes time. I mean, they have to get all that approved. They can't do any of that half-cocked. You know, it's such a big county. They have to go through and have all this approval and blah, blah, blah. And so then they'll have to get approval from commissioner's court that they can have another dog. I said, but their dog was killed. They need the dog. And he says, yeah, but it could be a year before you get on the docket to have them approve it. Uh, I said, how often do they meet? He says, the first Tuesday of every month. I said, well, maybe they should up their game if they're that long in the tooth and they're a year out, you know, what the hell else do they do? And
0: I got I to tell you, sorry, Christy, I hate to interrupt. The one thing I love about this is it takes somebody, if you guys remember that movie Tom Hanks was in, it was called Big, where he was, went back in time, or he was a little kid, but yeah. became a big, he's sitting in that meeting and people got these toys, and he goes, I don't get it. It's not fun. You are the person that is the one that, I don't get it. I understand this is how you do it, but I don't get it. It is so screwed up. How do you guys get shit done?
1: I said, so my, let me get this straight. So my taxes go up and there's going to be one less person on the street with a dog. What happens to that man? They said, he probably goes on desk duty. I said, is he in trouble? He said, no, he's not in trouble. But it's, again, it's going to take a year to probably get him another dog. And I said, but my taxes go up, but y'all protect me less. And he goes, well, it's no, it's a yes or no. Well, I guess so then. I said, that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. So I start looking around and somebody said, just find a charity that gives police dogs and just donate to them and put it in whose name you want it to. It's like, okay, well, I could probably live with that. I start looking and looking and looking. There's not. An organization in the United States that does this. So now I go to Lowe's, I get my map and I get a Texas map and I get all my little colored pushpins and my little tags. And so now it's like a week after. And so my husband had asked me the day that I had gone on and on about paying forward. He said, what do you want for Christmas? Well, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> And I'm like, you had 364 damn days to figure it out. <laughs> Boy, he's going I to the doghouse. I, <laughs> I know. And he goes, well, why don't you just go pick yourself a pair of earrings or something? I said, because I don't want a pair of earrings. And so then that's how we started on the whole thing about paying it forward. And I didn't want, you know, my daughter to grow up seeing dad saying 12 hours before drop day, what can we get mom for Christmas when everybody gets to sit down and write me a letter? And my family cringes because I love stuff like that. And our macaroni art, I mean, frame that, do something. Something that I can't buy somewhere. And so (laughs) he comes in and I've got this map on the wall and I've got all these colored pens and he looks at me and he goes, do I even want to know what this is? And I said, that right there is an ad for you should have bought the earrings. Because now... (laughs) We are starting a charity. And he's like, how did we get here? And I said, I don't know. I said, but the yellow push pins means they've gone five to 10 years without a canine. Red push pins, mean, they've gone 10 years or more. White ones means they're five or less, but they've got, you know, and I said, John, some of these are in my county or close to where I grew up. And that they haven't had a canine in 20 years because they can't afford it. And I said, they're like (laughs) $1,000. Where I I kept getting $1,000 from? If only
0: they were just
2: $1,000.
1: And I kept thinking, we should just buy them in bulk. I mean, you know.
2: It's the same place where you got, there's eight gallons of blood. gallons gallons of blood, yeah.
1: (laughs) Once I'd heard that, I was convinced. There was no telling me otherwise. There was not one ounce, more or less. So, um, anyway, I come to, I, so I go on and I'm trying now to start figuring out, you know, a strategy, how I want to do this. And, um, I met with lawyers and, you know, it was every bit of a year, um, you know, logos and lawyers and patent attorneys and, you know, wanted to make sure everything was set up, crossing every I and I mean, dotting every I and crossing every T making sure everything was done perfectly. And so, um, you know, oil was kind of at a a more lucrative time. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what it is today, but then it was at a pretty lucrative time. And so we had the first fundraiser in our backyard um, that November. We had a couple hundred people over. and, And so the first five canines that we gave, my husband and I gave personally, because we didn't have the nonprofit set up yet. So um, I knew it was going to be short. I mean, any time. And by the time we had the first fundraiser, it was set up. But <laughs> so the the guys with the five dogs had set some traps out, some narcotics along the the bank of the bayou. We lived on the water, and you know was kind of showing how the dogs went about tracking it and all things they did. And one of the wealthier socialites in Texas sees the dog do this and she said that is so cute those dogs do tricks
0: hopefully they won't find what's in my bag
1: (laughs) yeah and i was like are you kidding that's all you got out of this i'm thinking to myself is they do tricks obviously that she was at the same point that i was um a year you know a couple months a year before that i too didn't know about the police budgets and what you know, I just assume we pay our taxes and they go get a purchase order and get whatever they need to do their job.
0: And order them in bulk and they come by FedEx. And now I guess you get them exactly. on Amazon Prime on Prime Day. They're exactly. delivered for free. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just thought that's how it was done. And so I, uh, as she says this, I look over at her and very, 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 very wealthy, uh, uh, she and her husband. And I grabbed the microphone and I said, you know, I love it. I love so many of my Louisiana friends that are here. I said, I moved over here after Katrina and you're saving all that money on all our great tax breaks in Texas. I said, but as you are driving out to the FBO here to the private airport to get on your $75 million G5 to go to your $50 million home in Aspen, um, everything's fine and wonderful, but you kind of got to have to go through a few miles of a wonky part of town. It's definitely the very sketch part of town. And I said, as you're sitting there in your Bentley and not that it's the most fabulous car, handmade car ever made the tops down, you're on the phone with your chef telling them, you know, how you want your cappuccino made or whatever, when you arrive in Aspen and somebody reaches in your car at are sitting at that light and snatches your million dollar necklace. Now you've got insurance I hated that you lost your necklace, but now that guy is running in the middle of the projects and he's got your necklace and he's going to go hawk it for $2,000 or whatever at Easy Pond. There is a cop watching this. Now he can go in there and chase after him. He's not going to get hazard pay. He's not going to get overtime. And your necklace is insured and he's putting his life on the line to get your necklace back. I said, wouldn't it be so much easier with a canine? Like, we don't want the canine to get hurt, but we definitely, the main goal is to bring the officer home to his family or her family. And now all of a sudden the light bulbs start going off and we raise $450,000 in 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that's always true. Somebody turning on the light bulb.
0: And did you come to find out real quickly that dogs weren't $1,000 a piece? Yes,
1: (laughs) I came to find out. My daddy used to always say, an education is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. (laughs) I have a PhD in canines, I can tell you that.
2: Well, those those first five dogs that you and your husband donated, who got those? What agency?
1: Uh, Harris County and Harris County Sheriff's Department. And when I started, they only had, they are, the third largest sheriff's department in the United States, and they, I think I have about 6,000 officers, and they only had two canines, wow. and uh, one was nine, one was 10, and one had cancer, oh. and they were still working it, and I think to date I've given them over 40.
2: Wow. I'm getting speechless here, and apparently Morgan is too, because he's usually saying something by now. This is fantastic.
0: Uh, How do you compete with somebody who went from posing in Playboy to surviving an attack to saying, All right, you sons of bitches and your Bentleys and your cappuccinos, pony up?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, not only that. That's what it was about. I mean,
2: not only that, you're calling the governor, you're calling the secretary of state. I can't get those people to take my calls.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't even return Murph's calls half the time. That's how bad it is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it takes somebody in your position, Christy that doesn't take their, their life of affluence, that doesn't take themselves too serious, that has the gumption to pick up the phone and call those people and then get in front of all these wealthy people and say, hey, you're missing the whole freaking point here.
1: If I knew that there was a problem and I didn't address it, at least try. And, you know, a lot of people tried to talk me out of doing this and said, "Look, if nobody else has done it, it's not a good idea. It just costs too much. It's too much of an investment. People won't spend that kind of money. They won't spend $20,000. You may as well buy a cop car, you know." And I said, "But they can spend $5. They don't have to spend $20,000." And what if they want to? I mean, you know, what what if? What if? What if? And you're not going to know unless you try. And it would have completely eaten me alive by now if I hadn't tried.
2: God bless you. God bless you. That's fantastic.
1: And that if I just knew that there was a problem, I, it took that many anvils falling on my head to go, wait a minute, canines, you know, I'm, I'm sure like everything else, I'm sure SWAT has budget issues. I'm sure, you know, everybody every does. Specialized department, everybody right?
0: does. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. That's the end of part one. Christy Schiller from Playboy Playmate to Canines for Cops. What an interesting story, but man, the best is yet to come, so stay tuned for part two coming out on Thursday. In the meantime, go check us out at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram, and also go visit our webpage, gameofcrimespodcast.com. We've got a lot of pictures of Christy and the gang and the dogs up there, something you're going to want to see. Also, make sure you go visit us at patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. We've got a lot of good stuff on there. New content coming out every week. Our 911 series and our other one, You Can't Make This Shit Up. Right now, fan favorites, people asking for more. So we're delivering more. So anyway, stay tuned. We've got part two coming up. Christy Schiller from Playboy Playmate to Canines for Cops coming up on the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all. The Game of Crimes.